Welcome, my pretties. Come in, have a seat. We're about to spill some tea. Word on the street is when tempers are hot, revenge is a dish best served cold. That was spicy. <laughs> Today on Don't You Know, I'm going to take got, my partner's line here. <laughs> we, we got a murder case. Uh, I would say we probably primarily will focus on darker topics. We don't, I don't know, I just assume. We it's might. dark. It's horrid. Yeah. It's so, I mean, there's always going to be a warning. This episode probably contains. Definitely contains. Sexual murder, assault. Sexual murder, assault. Probably some child shit. So all child. around gross. My name's Autumn. <laughs> and I'm Haley. <laughs> this is Don't You Know. God, we need a life. <laughs> we, yeah, we do need a life. <laughs> I, I have one. I, it's reading about true crime. Damn. Have you heard of the case of Gary Plochet? I have not heard. When I first went into this case, I was very excited. I was like, yes, it's, it's all about revenge. You know, I would do the same thing. And in case you didn't know, Jeff Dosette was murdered by Gary Plochet. So I first went into this case thinking it was a tale of revenge. You know, a, what would a father do for his son? But with further, yes, with further reading, it really changed into a tale of strength and what's the word I'm looking for? Healing. Yeah, that's a pretty good word for it. Overcoming, not letting what has happened to you become you. That's the words of hate. I've got, I've got many of them. Lots of words. It seems like, real deep. <laughs> it's not that deep. It seemed pretty deep. It's a very deep story. There's, there's a lot of elements to it. Real victim here is Jody Plochet. Although Jeff Dosette is the one that was murdered. Why I say it's a tale of healing, very inspirational story, is because of how Jody overcame what Jeff did to him. February 19, 1984. This is the day that 11-year-old Jody Plochet was kidnapped by his trusted karate instructor, Jeff Dosette. Damn, I bet he trusted the shit out of him, too. It was absolutely awful how much he trusted this person. Damn. That's tragic. Yeah, not too long ago, a, a couple of years ago, a lot of uh, he wrote "Why Gary Why," which was quoting what police officer Mike. Oh, we'll have to get down to his name in the notes. Said to his father Gary Plochet after the murder, Jeff Dosette was a longtime con man. Suffocating under the weight of his poor financial decisions, he decided that it was time to flee accountability. The con man was attempting to sell unlicensed sports memorabilia, coffee cups, but instead stole the ten dollars to $15,000 that he had gotten from his investors. The haphazard plan he concocted with his shit brain was to ask June Plochet, Jody's mother, to borrow her car so that he could meet his brother for some lie about checking carpets in a rental property or something along those lines. Jeff was a master manipulator. He had charmed his way into the Plochet family. So June thought nothing of borrowing her car to Jeff as she had done it many times before. Even more so, he didn't think, she didn't think twice when Jeff asked her if her middle son, Jody, could ride along with him. It wasn't out of the ordinary for Jody to trap Jeff either alone or with his karate team for tournaments. You see, Jeff's biggest con was weaseling his way into the Plochet family, masquerading as the young fun karate instructor who just really loves being with kids. A little too fucking much. 
1982, a little over a year prior to Jody's kidnapping, June had signed him and his brother up for karate lessons. Karate! Jody was already an athlete. He was participating in football and baseball since he was little. After a few lessons, the original karate instructor suddenly left the class, leaving it canceled. Everyone was kind of irritated, but nobody was, like, forming a mob about it, so they sort of just let it be. After a few weeks pass, they get a call, are told that this young karate instructor, Jeff Plochet, will be taking over the classes for the same money that was paid for the prior classes. Yeah, keeping the same rate. Fulfilling the agreement. Jeff targeted Jody almost immediately. And Why Gary Why, book written by Jody, he says Jeff would be the cool guy that would let kids do things that their parents wouldn't let them do, swear, drink. Not necessarily drink. I don't think he was letting them drink, but he would let them swear. He would let them ride in his lap so that they could drive the car. Mm -hmm. And this is where Jody says that he would start grooming him at those points. He would sit Jody in his lap and then just kind of brush over his genitals, sort of desensitize him to him, yeah. too. Gross. Like, oh, bat. you know, Jody's like, oh, it was an accident. You know, it was just like I'm sitting in his lap and he's trying to steer so we don't crash. Ra- I trying don't to rationalize think normal it. people get boners when kids sit on their laps. They really shouldn't. They, If they do, they should seek help immediately so sitting letting the kids sit in his lap they would steer while he controlled the pedals and like i said this is where he would groom the ones that he targeted one thing i love about jody's book is that he's so candid with his recollection of the events he uses his trauma to teach parents and children what signs to look for when a child is being groomed he talks about how to approach the situation if sadly it happens he says he had a great support network which is something that's very important when overcoming trauma. Obviously, I wish more people did have the strong support network like Jody did. He really attributes that, you know, safety net that he had, the connections that really put him back on a path of, you know, normalcy. He went back, everyone did their best to just kind of continue on, treat him like normal. He was also, you know, kind of like the class clown. He had a very dark sense of humor about yeah. it even at a young age like i said this happened when he was 11 so i mean that's just with it for a while yeah jeff was charming always talking and bullshitting getting people to feel bad for him at his pity party just a good guy with bad luck that poor jeff he could literally get people to give them the shirts off their back targeting the plochets he would make sure to be at their house all the time Really getting in there, building, you know, a sense of companionship, really making himself feel like a member of the family. He yeah. could do no harm. He's Gets just them Jeff. To trust. Yeah. yeah. They would I mean people let him take their kids on buses to all all different places, all different sorts of places for karate tournaments. Obviously it was a wolf in sheep's clothing. So yeah, like I said, he would make sure to be at the Plochet's house all the time. He would often molest Jody while he was in the bathtub, going in there to help him wash. Air quotes there, because he really wasn't. I don't him know wash. if my karate coach needs to help me wash. I'm like, how did he really just sneak by? I just, don't think anyone of oh, Jeff the comes older over friend. and then. Thank God I have not had to experience that, but I don't see how anyone would find that normal. Just hanging out with her. I mean, I guess it was normal back in the day. I don't know. Like I said, wolf in sheep's clothing. 
He was just good old Jeff hanging good out. Good old Jeff helps my kid wash. I don't think they knew. Like, they didn't know he was washing Jody. He didn't, like, offer his services. He snuck in there. Oh, okay. it, was, it was a secret washing. Yeah, his, his parents didn't know about that. They had no idea about anything. Like I said, they he was just good old Jeff. They just trusted him. He good was old a con Jeff. man. Good old Jeff, you but he was there was no good Jeff. old Jeff. There was no just Jeff. He's it's never just Jeff. It's never just Jeff. He's he is douche. Jeff Douchette. Charming, talking, bullshitting all the time. There were often times where he would sleep rough over at the Plochés and Jody would bring him food and blankets. It's important to note here that Jody was young and impressionable being manipulated and in one aspect jeff was like a really cool overgrown kid old enough to be a role model and you know a figure to look up to but still younger than parents and cool a real big brother type jeff would often you would manipulate jody's emotions you know guilt tripping him straight up coercing jody to quit his other sports and alienate himself away from his father jeff made sure to just take up all of his time he's like do karate practice karate eat sleep breathe karate so that i can be around you all of the time and take advantage of the opportunities to rape you which he often did it was you know sometimes twice a day not setting up good no heinous that's what i said jeff wanted to be the center of jody's world and he was jody put everything into karate and jeff winning tournaments and all of the praise. He was also acting out a little bit. He's 11, definitely going through a lot. It was probably starting puberty, you know, in the middle of just, puberty. It was also during this time that June and Gary, Jody's parents, were separated. Gary was living outside of the house, often drinking, just going to work. Jeff used this as an opportunity to widen the rift between them spreading rumors around the town that he and June were an item, which was completely unfounded, gross, and not happening at all. Reading about her in Jody's book, she seemed like a top-notch mom, and Gary was doing the best that he could to be a good dad. It seemed to be a pretty normal life in the 1980s, as far as, you know, I know, I mean, I wasn't there, but I'm going to take a guess. And this heinous act was no one's fault but Jeff's. In Jody's book, he recounts a time between Jeff and Jody that was witnessed by Jody's uncle. He saw Jeff in the car with Jody, and he had leaned over and gave Jody a kiss square in the mouth. So the uncle rightfully called this out as weird as fuck behavior and, you know, was trying to sound the alarm, and everyone was just kind of like, well, you know... Jeff. It's Jeff. Like, he's just really close with the kids. It probably meant nothing. He was maybe probably going for a kiss on the cheek, and they just kind of brushed it off. It was, it's not something that you really want to believe, so that you try to rationalize it, unfortunately. Obviously, this isn't normal behavior. So going back to the abduction of Jody Plache, Jeff was running from his poor choices. He told Jody that they were going on the run. Jody didn't put up much of a fight. He, he simply went along with it, knowing that Jeff was going to take him whether he went willingly or, you know, if he had to be forced. Say anything to his mom. He just waited for Jeff to give him the signal. And that's when Jeff asked to borrow the car from June so that he could go 
check this random rental property or whatever bullshit he was spouting at that time. They quickly got on the road to Texas, where Jeff would briefly speak with his family. After a couple of days, June was obviously worried, trying to figure out exactly why Jody hadn't come home. So she had called Aliyah, Jeff's mother, to see if she knew where Jeff and Jody were. She said that they were there. Jeff had told her that he was going to drop Jody off back in Baton Rouge on his way to New York. This did not happen. He instead conned his way into enough money for two bus tickets to Los Angeles, California. Jeff would tell people that Jody was his son, that they were traveling together. It was a nice little father-son trip or karate, ever charming. At this time, he dyed Jody's blonde hair to black so he wouldn't be recognized if anybody sounded the alarm and got his picture around. Jody says in his book that the trip wasn't all bad. Jeff took him to Disneyland. They got to see the filming of a show called Hill Street Blues that he enjoyed watching. So there was like a silver lining to this child abduction. In the meantime, between Disneyland and Hollywood Access, Jody was watching Jeff con and steal his way across the West Coast while he was being raped and wrestling with his conflicting emotions. Once they reached Los Angeles, Jeff was running out of money and out of cons. They were staying at the Anaheim Motel in room 38, which was Jeff's unlucky number. Jody convinced Jeff to let him call his mother back in Baton Rouge. Jeff broke and stupidly let Jody call his mother collect, which is where you charge the phone. Damn, he really said, let me come in here real quick. (laughs) I want to call my mom. Yeah. It's been a couple of days at this point, so... But he was like, I know these phones more than you. I'm going to sit here call Collect so she gets my area code. Jeff didn't have to fucking two dimes to rub together. He's like, you got to call Collect, otherwise I can't afford the phone call. Because <laughs> he's a fucking jackass that can't, can't make proper... Off. He can't, yeah, he can't fucking math. So while on the phone call, Jeff told June what time it was on the West Coast when he was supposed to be in New York on the East Coast. So it should have been two hours later. I believe he told her it was 5 o'clock or 5 or 6 o'clock when it should have been 8 if he'd been in New York where he said he was. So where... So they're in Los Angeles, California, but he had told June... The mom. Yes, that... He was going to drop Jody off in Baton Rouge on his way to New York, okay. but instead... In Baton Rouge is... Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. That's where Jody is from, where this all started, okay. origination. Might have not mentioned that at the beginning. Yeah, that's why I'm lost. Yes. My apologies. We're all over the place. So it started in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They are now Jody and Jeff in Los Angeles, California. And they're supposed to be in New York. And they're supposed to be in New York. Okay. And we're back on track. I got it now. (laughs) The gears are moving. The gears are moving. They're shifting. (laughs) At this point, the police (laughs) are involved as well. So I do believe that this phone call was being recorded and listened to as June was on talking with Jeff. 
Jody said that he tried to tell Jeff to say that the clock was broken, which is why he gave them the wrong time. Oh, so but he Jeff, caught on to that. Yeah. He was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Jeff, you're dumb. Fucking tell him that it's it, the clock is broken. Yeah, it's actually, it's, it's 8 o'clock, not 6. But Jeff didn't listen to that. So after they got off the phone call, June called back, and when someone gave you a, or when someone called you, you could call for time and charges on the collect. So they gave her the time and charges and where it was from, which was room 38 in the Anaheim Hotel in Los Angeles. I'm glad that you explained that because I was born in the thousands. (laughs) And yes, knew you got charged for collect, but I didn't know you could call back and get your charges. Yeah, you can call back and kind of get your receipt. Like, how much was the call? I didn't know that. So I'm glad you explained that. Yeah, you're welcome. And I probably will be made fun of for it. And I accept it. Why would you be made fun of for not knowing something that happened long before you were born? Oh, damn. But was it before I was born? There was probably still some collect calls while, like, in the early 2000s. I don't know exactly when it went out of style completely. But after they got the information of where Jody and Jeff were... They quickly called the Los Angeles Police Department, who stormed, not stormed, but apprehended Jeff at his motel room. Questioning. They took Jody in for questioning. He wouldn't reveal much to the detectives, denying any allegations that Jeff had abused him. He said it was just a fun trip with his karate instructor and friend, Jeff Duchette. Did he understand the separation between friend Yes. And... Yeah, he knew okay. what Jeff was doing to him was wrong. Okay. He just... I don't want to give away, like, I don't want to give away too much of his book, but he tended to rationalize it. Like, to him, Jeff was a good friend if he would just stop raping him. Oh, okay. Kind of like, better me than somebody else. He was... Young and manipulated. Yeah. Jeff was one of those that would throw tantrums and I'm going to kill myself if you don't love me. And Jody does mention in his book that Jeff said he was also molested by, I think, his mom's many boyfriends or an uncle. I don't remember exactly that part because my game's at the pot calling the kettle black. You were molested, you know it sucked, but you're going to keep doing it. So, you probably should have just not. But his sister also mentions that she was essentially sold out by her mother for sexual acts when she was also a child. So, I don't think Jeff Duchette came from the best background, but also that's not an excuse for abducting a child and doing some really fucked up fucking things. You feel bad for the kid, but you don't need to feel bad for the criminal. Yeah. I don't. He got his just desserts. I bet. I will. I will tell you (laughs) all about it. So like I said, Jody wouldn't reveal much to the detectives. He denied that Jeff abused him. It was just a nice little vacation and an impromptu misunderstanding In his book, he says that he didn't want to be the one to reveal the abuse 
because he didn't want Jeff to be angry with him. He didn't he didn't know how far Jeff would go with his anger and he didn't want him to hurt Jody himself. So he wanted the physical examination and the rape kit to tell the story. Okay. He, he knew that he knew what was happening but he wanted the evidence to show it. Yeah, he didn't want to accuse before there was anything to accuse of. Yeah. He didn't want to be the snitch. He's like, they're going to find out anyway, but it's not going to be from me. So after this, after the examination and the interrogation, Jody is flown home back to his mother where he does eventually open up to her about all of the fucked up things that Jeff did to him. He made her promise not to tell Gary, his father, but she did. I could see why. I mean... I, you gotta share that burden. It sucks, and I know you You could see both sides. Like, you betrayed your kid by doing it, but also... that's Gary his, was hearing it from the press, too. Yeah, Fucking reporters would come shove microphones in his face. After the results from the exam came back, the detectives obviously revealed this to his mom, and like I said, he told her everything that happened, which she eventually revealed to Gary. And this was just boiling beneath his skin. Obviously, boil beneath anybody's skin to know that they were manipulated and weren't there to protect their child. Because, like, remember, Gary was living out of the house. He, you know, he he wasn't around. He he wasn't around. He had let his own demons alienate him from his family. So he was feeling the burden. I'm sure a lot of lot of emotions flying around. I'm sure all the speculation brings those up. Yeah. Obviously, this is going to hurt any parent having to know awful things that happened to their child. It was a difficult time for everyone. And I don't want to go too far into detail. As I said, it's not anything that anyone needs to really hear or think about. You can do your own research yeah, if you want yeah, to. Yeah, you can definitely. I encourage you to read Gary's book, not just for the heinous details, but for his humor and his inspiration and just the gem of a person that he has become and shared with the world. While all of this was going on, Jeff was being held by the police, obviously. They were getting ready to fly him back to Baton Rouge, since this is where Jody was abducted from. Gary was rightfully upset upon the discovery of his son's rape, which had been going on for a year at this point, prior to the abduction and then afterwards. It's said that he was hanging around the local bar, kind of asking people when they thought Duchette would be flown back to Louisiana. And as luck would have it, a friend of his and former colleague of the WBRZ had a connection that Gary needed. He made a call and found out that Jeff was going to be flown to Louisiana via the Baton Rouge Metropolitan Airport around 930 on March 16th. When Gary got this information, he hurriedly called a relative of his and told him that he was going to kill kill Jeff. Gary put together the best disguise that there ever was. He had on a baseball cap and sunglasses. Oh. Like, hardly recognizable. Mission Impossible. Master of disguise. Waldo who? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know who I am. Where am I? (laughs) Where am I? He made his way to the Baton Rouge Metropolitan Airport, deciding to stand in front of a bank of 
payphones on a wall near the gate that Jeff would be getting out of. Who was standing in front? Okay, okay, I got it, I got it. The dad was standing in front of some payphones. Yeah. I'm sorry. With his back turned near the gate that Jeff would be getting out. Okay. Reporters, paparazzi, they were all there waiting. I'm sorry. He really Nancy Drewed it. He did. He walked to the bars. He was like, who, you who know, knows? Yeah, who knows this motherfucker right here? And then he got to the right people and said, watch out. I'm going to get this motherfucker. So the press. The press, the paparazzi, they're all there. Everybody's waiting for Jeff. But nobody's waiting for him harder than Gary. As you should. So he's on the phone, calls his relative back as he's waiting. Jeff, handcuffed, looking smug as fuck. And and you can watch all of this on the internet. You can watch this murder. It's not that gruesome. Oh, you watched it? Yeah. That's just... I can picture it in my head, and it looks really like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> no. <laughs> and I know it's not. It's really... I don't want to be scared of the report more than I am, so... Anyway. Yeah, it's not that bad. He was walking out all smug and shit. Smug and handcuffed. Just as he was coming up to Gary, he turned around, taking the thirty-eight pistol... I'm pretty sure. 38 pistol. I don't know. Guns he got too well. that through security? There was not a lot of security back then. Not like, not like now. He was just like, let me hide this gun. Yeah, you could just walk into airports. Like, there was. Damn. All right. I didn't know. I guess now you got to give your left kidney, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they x rayed all of us. <laughs> they see your bones. As Jeff approached, Gary pulled his 38 caliber gun on March 16, 1984. I guess there was no luck of the Irish for this piece of shit, huh? Because St. Paddy's Day would have been the next day. March Damn. 17th, right? Damn. All right, so then the, he was did the like police I remember. tackle Gary then? Yeah, Officer Mike tackled Gary. Bro, Officer Mike, I don't think that was necessary. I mean, it was. He w- Was he, he trying to run? No, was Jeff, trying, or exactly. Gary wasn't trying to run. Exactly, so I don't think the tackle was necessary. Well. If he wasn't trying to run, okay, but I get it, you shot a gun, but, like, he was... Sentence are heightened. Whatever. Senses are heightened. Whatever. I get it. <laughs> but I don't. As he, as he tackled Gary, he shouted, why, Gary, why? To which Gary replied, you'd do it, too, if he did it to your kid. Something oh, along yeah. those lines. Like, 100%. Yeah, obviously. Like I said, the the video's out there. It's not that gruesome. He shoots him in the head. He goes down. Everyone pretty much knew right away that he was dead. I do believe it was off, uh, one of the officers. I don't remember exactly who. I didn't write it down here. Went over, you know, to check his pulse and just closed his eyelids. Gary's trial would be short. He took a plea bargain for no contest to manslaughter. He was sentenced to seven years, which was suspended by the judge. Are you serious? Yeah. Because who's going to fucking No, I get it. Him? But, like, like yeah, is... you're guilty. Like, yes, you took a human life. But also, he, he bent your oh. son over the walker that he borrowed from your family and anally raped him on a fucking karate tournament. So, like, 
Yeah, bitch. I get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm so he was like seven years, kind of manslaughter, maybe. <laughs> They're like, technically by law, you are a guilty man, but, but also, the judge pounds, suspended it. Poured one out for the homie. He was given five years probation and community service, which he would fulfill by doing handyman work at his church. You murdered someone. And you just got for a, a good reason grass at your church. For a good reason. For a good fucking reason. And you have just got to mow some grass. Mm-hmm. The world's a better place. Without Jeff Duchette? Duchette? Yeah. With, and Gary. The world's a better place with Gary. Oh, yes, with Gary. <laughs> I was like, wait. No, Gary's. <laughs> but, yes, it's, a be- it's better without Jeff. You know, I don't think Gary's going to listen, but. No, he has since passed, I believe. Doesn't mean he's not listening. That's true. Okay. I don't know okay. how much everyone believes, but, like, if you don't, you should probably Here's to leave. the energy <laughs> of Gary Plochet. Energy. It, it is. It was. It is still a new moon, I believe. As the date of recording, I thought yesterday we had a new moon. Today we have a new moon. Sunset at 7.51. Yes. So, on September 15th, at 8.41 in the north area of the states. It's a new moon. Pour one out for my man Gary. I'll have to make sure to put out my water. I drank some last night. Not to drink, to... Oh, I drank it. I was like, new moon. (laughs) My boyfriend took a swig, too. and He don't believe in it, but he took one doesn't hurt. I was like, what's it going to do? It's just water. <laughs> it's just water. <laughs> it's just, if it gives you some energy, it's just water. And if you die, it's just water. It just so <laughs> happens to be in a um, Target Halloween flask-looking thing with a poison sign on it. <laughs> so I guess it might not be the best thing to keep just water in. Probably not. You should get glass. It is glass. Oh. It is glass. It just has a poison <laughs> symbol on it. Hell yeah. I'm going to keep all that in, too. Y'all get that sidetrack conversation. And me coughing. Sorry. I'll let it when I can out. Many will say Gary was a hero. A vigilante knight, much like Batman himself. And I would agree. 100%. But I would also point out that he was a distra- distraught man pushed into a corner. 100%. But I completely agree. Uh, what I did, what he did was understandable. Yes, in the eyes of the law, he's guilty. But even that judge was like, probation. Mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> don't do that in an airport. Don't do that in the airport. Yeah, that's really what the Nobody's trying the to clean that up, dude. Like, They're just like, I want to get my It's suitcase. fine that you murdered him, but just don't do it in an airport. God, God damn it, I missed my connection. <laughs> and I got to witness this shit. God damn. Now I need therapy. Insert therapy, therapy ad that we don't have, but maybe one day. One day. So yeah, everyone deserves a right to a fair and speedy trial pertaining to Jeff. He yeah. should have been tried and convicted. Yes. But like, hey, you didn't if, waste time. You didn't waste money. This was quick and easy. Some might say instead of killing him, it could be very much an argument like the death penalty, where it's like, you sit on fucking parole for the next... Or not parole, but you sit on the fucking death row for 50 years. 
Yeah, and then getting you to die just live. the easy way out, but then also sitting there and rotting and having like thirty thousand life sentences. I don't know. If you don't want to kill him, fine. Drop him in the middle of the desert with half a fucking water bottle and a couple of saltine crackers. And if that evil really wants to survive, I'm sure it'll find a fucking way. But it ain't gonna be on my goddamn time. You gotta give him the saltines. You don't want to be like, oh, I left them without food and water. No, I gave him a little food and water. Nibble, nibble. Sand's filling. Sip, sip. Sand is filling. So. Eat your dirt cookie. <laughs> Eat your dirt cookie. <laughs> Get I in a there, special boy. In the Arizona sun. <laughs> and anyway. I guarantee you what this monster did to children was worthy of a short life and a bitter end. Our real hero, though, is Jody Plochet, his family, and the community around him. Yep. After Jody was rescued, he wanted everything to go back to normal, and it seemed to have, for the most part, I mean, obviously, he, he's going to have uh-huh. ups and downs, and he explains it all in his book, Why Gary Why. Wonderful. Go out, read it. Read Why Gary Why. Link in the description, maybe, if I figure out how to do it. Shout out Jody, June, June, the whole community, everyone that came together. This is really the opposite side of the spectrum to our first episode. Like, Eileen had no support, yeah. so... Go listen to the I, I, Eileen one. That's our number one. Rest, rest and piss. That's oh, yeah, don't. Rest, rest, rest and piss, Jeff rest, Duchette. Rest... Don't rest. Fuck Don't you. Don't rest, yeah. Fuck you, Jeff. Fuck you, Jeff. Shout out, Gary. Shout out, <laughs> Jody. Shout out, June. All right. Peace out. Lock your doors. As always, thank you for listening in. Please rate and review as it helps us spread the word. Don't you know? Don't you know? If you like our content, add us on Instagram at Don't You Know Pod. So far, that's our only social media we have. Uh, we'll get more as time allows maybe it's pretty scheduled maybe we'll eventually get the email going up so that we can get listener cases and suggestions visit our instagram you can get to it on the webs too you can just use google you'll get there link will be there if not good night my pretties and until we meet again lock your doors